Right, hi everyone. Um, it is series two of Visibility in Action. Um, I didn't think I'd get to say that, so really happy that the feedback on the first series was so positive. Um, and I've wanted to change things up a little bit um, for this next set of episodes. So uh, there'll be some, well, how do I put this, younger faces, shall we say, um, that will be making me feel very old for the next few weeks, because um, there'll be things I don't know. Um, you know, all the, all the jargon, all the, the language, I'm sure has changed even since I was younger. So there we go. I'm saying that I have no idea how much younger than me Amanda is. So I'm just guessing. Um, <laughs> on that note, um, my first guest is Amanda Acker, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got lots to talk about, um, particularly about um, representation in academia. Um, and the whole theme of this series is about people who are at those kind of earlier steps in their career, whether that be in academia or first job out in the industry. Um, and really, we're going to be exploring how things got better, um, you know, what has got better, what hasn't, um, what does the industry need to change? Um, and also going into some back to basics as well, because I know there's a lot of questions people might be scared to ask, frankly, and, and we want to make sure we cover off some of that and, you know, do a bit of education too. Um, so thanks for joining, Amanda. Do you maybe want to give us a quick introduction to, to yourself, maybe to the research you're doing, just so people know who you are? Sure. I'm Amanda Wacker. I'm a second year PhD student at the University of California, San Diego, and I work at the Salk Institute, which is like kind of connected to UCSD. Uh, so my lab, I work in the lab of Palav Kasuri. He just started um, his lab up. So I'm the first grad student and we're working on understanding how DNA interacting enzymes work on like a biophysical level. So it's a little more physics than my undergrad training, but I am really excited to get into it. We do DNA origami, which not a lot of people have heard of. It's basically taking a virus genome and folding it up a bunch to be able to make different shapes. Yeah, that's literally it, but it sounds like a lot, <laughs> a lot different than what it is. Um, so that's what I'm working on. And yeah, I have like three years left um, outside of academic things. I do a lot of outreach. So I also have a podcast myself. It's called Triplicates Podcast. And we, me and two other um, students from my program, we basically wanted to do a school survival guide for PhD students who aren't coming from an academic background and parents maybe aren't in academia and just help them through like the whole process and understanding what's qualifying exams, how do I rotate, how do I send emails, you know, just navigating a PhD program without any familial help is kind of hard. So I do that and then I also do Stembassy where STEM ambassadors meet, which is Another kind of STEM representation show, uh, I do it with Raven the Science Maven, who you may or may not have seen on Twitter. All over Twitter. Um, a couple... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah she's well. popping. Yeah, she's <laughs> popping right now. Um, love her. And we do it with a couple other um, women who are also, you know, there on Twitter. And yeah, we're, I think we're starting season four this year. So it's been, it's been wonderful. And that's why I really do care about representation and I really see the the importance of it and I am so happy that you are letting me come onto your platform to share. Oh, not at all, not at all. It's, it's good to have you. And I think the big, big topic we have to cover today is something mm -hmm. you raised when we were speaking, which um, I thought would maybe have changed in the last kind of 10, 15 years, but you forget these, these are universal problems for our community. And that's the idea of, of 
coming out and, and the anxiety with that. Um, so if I go back to um, the very, very first episode that I released back in February, March time now with, uh, with Henry, um, where we were talking about being in a commercial role, almost having to come out every day to different clients and choosing when to do that. For, for you, Amanda, in your kind of academic setting, um, you mentioned to me anxiety over perhaps being treated differently or the impact it might have from your supervisors or your seniors in terms of letters of recommendation or being able to move forward in your career. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit about that. I mean, how, how has that affected your kind of um, program so far and your daily interactions with people, do you think? Yeah, so I think the biggest instance that I realized this was happening to me was actually in my undergrad when I was getting ready to apply to summer internships and then also to grad school. Um, I was working in a lab and I, um, sorry, I never mentioned my, my pronouns and my identification. I use she, her pronouns and um, I'm bisexual, that's how I identify. And um, when I was an undergrad, there's also another bisexual girl working in the lab with me. And we would sometimes, you know, like we're like the same age, we are in the same clubs and working in a lab together like we want to talk and like catch up that's the only time we really saw each other mm -hmm. um and we would be scared to mention things like oh yeah I went on a date which is like kind of fine like people mention in the workplace like oh yeah like how is you said you're gonna go out this weekend like how was the date with that person blah blah whatever mm -hmm. and like I noticed we both of us would not mention like names or gender of whoever we went out with um because we didn't want the people um above us we had like our PI and like who's our boss advisor basically and then another research associate over us we were like kind of scared to say something and then maybe they're like super against that and maybe they're gonna treat us differently after we've been already working there for a year or like there are some letter of rec situation is obviously incoming we have so many we have a lot of steps to move forward and this is someone we're gonna react re sorry someone we're going to reach out to a lot in the future so like we wanted to make a strong relationship with that and there's like a fear of of ruining that somehow because they might hold some prejudice against what i do outside of lab yeah and it's i, I suppose it's there's a lot of things going on there to, to kind of unpack and i think one of them is simply just fear of the unknown you know how is this person mm -hmm. going to, to react and and actually what a big impact that could have on, on your future as well. But there's also, and this is something that's come up in a few of the other episodes as well, and I think a lot of us you know, within the community talk about, which is that, do I have the emotional capacity right now to essentially come out to somebody, whether directly or indirectly, and have to deal with their response um, or explain, you know, particularly as a bisexual person, because there's a lot of, you know, let's say misunderstandings about our... Um, experiences let's call them um you know and mm -hmm. i'm sure that's you know similar and there's differences being a bi woman to a bi man as well which we can maybe get into um do you think things have improved in that regard because it's certainly something that i know i didn't do at all in my first couple of um years out of university for example when i was you know working my way through the you know the sales ladder um deliberately doing what you were doing and not gendering when I was having those conversations, you know, the, the coffee break conversations that everyone has. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you, I mean, has there been any repercussions from that that you've noticed or was it, was it fear of the unknown that has led to anything? Have, have you seen that negativity actually, you know, in the open? Yeah. So I was actually, that's a wonderful question. And I was talking to my advisor about this because I was 
kind of scared to even come on here. I was like feeling like, oh no, like what if something happens to me or like it's going to be on LinkedIn, yeah. you're going to Google my name and then it's going to be there and then like it's there forever. It's a big and thing was, being yeah, this it's, yeah, it's it's a big thing and it's, I, I was talking to my advisor and he was saying like, there's a change coming and in five years, there's going to be so much better situations for, for the community and it's just going to keep progressing and it's going to, it's not going to be like it was 20 years ago. Um, but the problem is currently like my advisor, he's brand new. He just got here. So it's like that, that shift of like, there's still people that have been there for 50 years, the lab next door. And like, I don't know how he's like the president of the Salk Institute. And I don't know how he's going to react when I have a rainbow lanyard on. <laughs> Because yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people sometimes feel like, oh, it's okay to be gay, but like, be gay in private. Like, you can't. Yes. I don't, don't put it in my face. And that's like, I don't know, that's not the solution. And that's not, that's not how you make people feel comfortable and like they can feel safe in the space. And I think another thing is not just repercussions from people above you, but also like isolation from your peers as well. Because yeah, some people are cool with it, but some people, especially my age, are not. And like to be targeted or to to have exclusionary actions against you just because you're you're gay or into women or whatever is like I don't know, it's like it doesn't make it a place I want to go back to. And then you lose individuals yeah. that are smart and brilliant and can do so much for science just because the environment is not healthy and happy. Yeah. No, no, completely. And and actually, one of the the previous you know episodes with uh, with Clara Bocker at Oxford University, um, she leads one of the labs there and was saying very similar things about dropout rate from from the LGBT plus community for exactly those reasons. And I think, particularly in academia or people who are in the early stages of their career out in the commercial world, are at an age where you know that's where people are exploring their their identity, for want of a better word. And mm -hmm. if those safe spaces aren't available, all you're doing is kind of detracting people from remaining in the industry, but also just from being their, their best selves as well. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a huge thing to be able to be fully open, I think, in the workplace, you know, whatever that workplace might be. Um, and you talked earlier yeah. about your, um, one of your lab partners, kind of the two of you having these kind of ungendered conversations. Um, and if you can't literally have a, an open conversation about what you were doing at the weekend, then, you know, surely that proves why that whole ask, don't tell um, sort of situation that you mentioned, Amanda, is, is not the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you summed like, it up pretty well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about it, especially like the last week. And I've been, you know, I was, like I said, I was talking to my advisor and I was like, like, I don't know, this is like all the reasons I think this is important and I'm nervous about it. And like, I had never really come out to him either. I just, I have my rainbow lanyard on and you do with that what you will and we move on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, you can make your decision on whether or not I'm an ally or whatever. I'm going to leave that up to you. But like, it was my first time like directly telling my boss like, hey, gay people, like LGBTQ people, like we are scared. And like, what are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, he like wanted to help and wanted to be like, okay, like how, how can I make sure that you feel comfortable here? And like, I told him the biggest thing, even before I, like when we were having the conversation about me joining the lab permanently, I said, if anything ever happens to me, you have to promise me that you would fight for me. Like you would protect me. 
like because it's I'm a very small fish in a very big institute that has a lot of like a couple of people have sued the Salk Institute in like 2018 for um gender discrimination and there's wow. like a bunch of stuff like that yeah so it's like there's a history of i don't know of, that's why it makes me nervous to be like yeah i'm out here i'm doing what i want i'm doing science and like you better just accept it and yeah maybe the younger pis are cool about it but i don't know the higher ups the admins and i don't know i'm gonna be there for five years i don't want to be upset like i'm gonna be there literally every day almost for five yeah. years, that's a long time to feel like I don't belong somewhere and to feel like I'm Absolutely. being excluded. Like that is not the situation you want someone to be in. So we yeah. need to make it better. I totally agree. And I think that's why it's almost scary to be this visible because it's, it's this level of visibility that's going to help make that change. Um, but at the yeah. same time, it's, it's a really big step to take. And you know, that this project is all about humanizing you know, and, and, and educating so that people maybe from outside of the community can, can hear these stories and understand the concerns and the anxieties, the real, real anxieties that people in the community have, um, because it's it's important to make sure that they're out there in the open, as, as scary as mm -hmm. it might it might be, um, you know, to, to do that. Um, one of the things I also wanted to talk to you about, you know, um, we both identify as, mm -hmm. as bi. Um, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, this has been touched on in previous episodes and, and I was on a panel um, recently as well, where we talked about the differences in the kind of assumptions people make about being a bi woman versus a bi man. And obviously mm -hmm. we're talking in very kind of cis-normative terminology there, but, you know, it's, it's striking to me how few out bi men I see in the community. What, yeah. You know, as, as as a bi woman, do you feel you're treated differently to, for example, a gay woman? You know, when you come out to someone, do you feel that people have those misconceptions? What were your thoughts on that? Um, I think, I think yes, but yeah, that's that is an interesting question. I think compared to gay women, maybe, but it depends like who who I'm talking to and mm -hmm. and like their their background or their understanding of of the lgbt community or um or where they were raised or what stereotypes they hold um definitely it might be more it's like more accepted but more accepted and like for the wrong reasons maybe because um, it's like oh yeah you still like kind of like men or like oh you'll probably end up with a man anyways which is like 50 50 maybe i don't know like who knows but it's yeah. just like there's like maybe some hope in their eyes that you're like <laughs> end up being whatever they consider normal um and i think that that is different yeah than than if you're just a lesbian like there's like no assumption that oh you could still end up living a heteronormative life and like just be fine and no one will bother yeah. you about it for the rest of your life and you're cool um but that's... you know not everyone is able to pass like that yeah that's really interesting did you think that that assumption is made by both men and women that ultimately um, that's the kind of relationship you'll find yourself in not that it's any of their business either but um no not that it's any of their business but i think it it might have to do with age too or like ex acceptance of of i think older people older people who are maybe like the whole like oh i support them but like from a distance kind of yeah um, it's a phase feeling. it's a phase <laughs> Yeah, so so I feel like that is like what their hopes are. It's like, oh, it's just a face, and like you'll end up marrying a man, and it's fine, and don't worry about it. And 
um, like I've even had my mom say like, I don't know, I like uh, when I first, I mean, my first relationship was with a girl and then she was like, oh, I, I hope one day you'll like understand what it's like to be pregnant and like it's like a feeling like it's like you know she's like talking about being pregnant and like oh you're, n you're never gonna be able to to feel this amazing thing if you end up with a woman and i'm like okay yeah. mom but like ivf like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. um, still possible <laughs> like science is a thing like don't worry about it it's gonna be fine but yeah like there's there's definitely things that that they say that's just like okay like I'm not yeah. sure what that has to do with me right now, but I'm yeah, glad it was a strange you're... priority to to have. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're thinking about my future? Question mark. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think there are a lot of assumptions people make, and and you know, the it's a phase thing. I think is something every single person who identifies as bi has has heard. Um, yeah, I think, and this is anecdotal. I don't know if there's any kind of research that backs this up at all but i also think there is an argument that people make as oh, it's a stepping stone um you're actually going to come out yeah. as, as gay in the end and i think that happens maybe more to, to men than it does to women i don't know if that experience is is different for you maybe the assumption people make is what you what you've explained i.e that you will ultimately end up in a kind of heterosexual relationship um which is, yeah. probably comes from a similar place you know of that misunderstanding I let me say something to you. I think I saw a TikTok, not to be Gen Z, but I think I saw a TikTok <laughs> about this. When, and they were like, the assumption for some reason is that regardless of if you're bi, you're like always gonna lean towards men because society is centered around like wanting men. <laughs> so I think that's like an interesting, um, you know, gathering from that. Cause it's like, oh, if you're a bi man, you're just actually gay. And if you're a bi woman, you're just actually straight, like whatever. Interesting, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that after I heard that, I was like, wow, that is actually something to consider. Um, like, that's how society maybe, like, centers uh, men uh, in that regard. And I think another thing is, what's interesting is the way you're saying it's a stepping stone. So I actually did the stepping stone backwards. So I was like, oh, I'm actually lesbian. That was, like, my first coming out. And then okay. I was like, actually, that's not how I feel. And I'm open to more things than that. And, and that was... Uh, my mom was uh, confused about that one. Um, yeah, so I think I think sometimes I think it just depends on the situation. But I have heard the whole stepping stone thing, and I think it is applied more to men than it is women. But again, it's because the assumption is that everyone likes men for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. It's, it's the male gaze, isn't it? That's what everything is is focused yeah. on, not that it should be. But and I, and I suppose as a woman, you've got the whole stereotype of as you said your mum focused on is well how are you going to create a family um is yeah. there's only one way of doing that <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so it's interesting yes. but that that's what you know to go back to our, our previous topic that is why it's so important i think to have open safe spaces so that however people identify in the the kind of lgbtq plus bracket or or outside of it can have these kinds of open conversations and talk about their relationships freely, their dating life freely if people ask about them. Because that's how you remove some of these misunderstandings and these stereotypes that, you know, have grown over time but aren't actually based on, you know, any form of, of reality, I suppose. Um, which is exactly why it's important to kind of forefront these questions. Um, let me ask you something else then, because this is a very generational question, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I, mm -hmm. I have very mixed feelings about it myself. I think you know what I'm going to say now. Um, okay. 
And that is the use of, of queer as an umbrella term for the whole LGBTQ plus community. It's something over recent yeah. years we see a lot of people identifying as, um, particularly people who might, for example, um, have affinity with a number of different parts of the, the acronym, let's say. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. more and more so I'm seeing people who are gay or bi or just using it as an umbrella term almost to reach out to the rest of the community and, and maybe try and be a mm -hmm. bit more cohesive. But it obviously has some really negative connotations. Um, yeah. And I do see it as something as maybe the generations below me, really, is where maybe the change happens. You know, I'm in my mid-30s mm -hmm. almost, and it's it sits uneasy with me. I'm, I'm getting there, I'm okay with it, but at the same time, I've had mm -hmm. it shouted at me too many times. But <laughs> it yeah. feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the phrase? Is it something you use? Is it something you're comfortable with? Yeah, okay. I totally understand where you are coming from, especially the older generations that have had it, you know, shouted at them and it was not a great experience. So it could be very jarring to just hear this word um, thrown about. Um, I think if the if people in the LGBTQ community would like to reclaim that word, that is their business. Um, I'm not particularly comfortable of like people not in the community using that word because of the history. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not a great, thing to come out of somebody's mouth, I feel like. Um, but I, I do say that also as, so I'm also in a graduate out in STEM uh, graduate chapter, and we have a seminar series for LGBTQ individuals in STEM to like share their research and also share their journey. So like you get a little bit of both and, you know, build community at our school like that. Yeah. And our, our acronym is SQUAD, which is Scientific Queers something, 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 you know? And I think that like the idea was to use it as an umbrella term, but I've, I also totally understand people like are not entirely comfortable. And I don't think like some people do use it as an umbrella term, but I've had seen people that say like, it doesn't feel like it encompasses like their particularly particular identity in the LGBT com community, which is also totally fair and valid. And, yeah. um, I just, I don't know if there's another word that encompasses everything that is a bunch of acronyms together you know it's like a it's a big thing to try to put yeah. any, every category under an umbrella um and i think like it has gained popularity just as like a reclaiming of it and be like no this is like our word now but i mean yeah i don't i don't know that is definitely something i think the younger people don't really think about of like how the older people feel just like hearing this word and seeing yeah. it in like tweets and and posts and stuff yeah, it's a really interesting topic, and I think it's it's a big discussion point. I think in the community, mm -hmm. um, and I I totally agree with you. I think it's it's up to the wider community to say, look, yeah, we've we've reclaimed this. Um, <laughs> it's ours now. But at the same time, it is maybe not okay for those outside of the community to throw the word around in the same way, perhaps until it's you know fully normalised. Um, but again. I think it's a, it's a case by case, isn't it? If someone who you know is a completely 100% ally uses it, it might be so that they can feel closer to the community that they have, you know, tried to support. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a difficult one. Um, and I think it is very generational, um, as so many things things are, you know, in this, in this subject. <laughs> um, but it's something I'm keen, I think in every episode, I'm going to be asking, you know, similar questions like that, because it's really interesting to get different people's opinions on this because i think everyone thinks slightly differently um mm -hmm. and like with anything you know 
in the LGBTQ plus banner, it's finding what's right for you. You know, so that you yeah. feel comfortable and you know you're able to say, "Yep, that's that explains me." Um, you know, to, mm-hmm. to yourself, but also to the, the outside world as well. So let's finish up with what might be a huge question to wrap up in a few minutes. But okay. I know, I'm scaring you now. Uh, it's kind of going back to what we started talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Using your experience in, you know, talking about the anxieties of coming out in your undergrad, for example, how mm-hmm. do you think, in this case, academia can be more obviously welcoming and open, um, whilst also accepting perhaps some things aren't going to change that quickly? Um, what would have been... What would have helped you in that scenario not have been as anxious to, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so I think words are really helpful. And like you saying explicitly, like, oh, if you would like to bring your partner or like whoever you're da- or like, you know, like, and not assuming like, oh, if you want to bring your boyfriend or if you want to bring your husband, like mm-hmm. choosing your words so that it's open and it's like, you, like I at least know you thought about oh not everybody is straight like I feel like that helps a little bit to be like okay like maybe this is an okay place for me to say things or yeah. an okay place for me to bring my not opposite gender partner um, so I think I think that is helpful and that I would love to see from people in positions of power and people like bosses and and your admin and um, like there's a lot of, at least at, at the Sulk, there's a lot of things where it's like they're supporting families and like people with children, especially like during COVID, there's a lot of, you know, people need parental care, like to take, mm-hmm. like parental leave, take care of their children, um, support for that kind of thing. So I think taking those images of what a family looks like and you know, it doesn't always have to be a man and a woman or someone who looks like a man and someone who looks like what a woman, you know, society says looks like that. Um, I think just, you know, showing images of other than just like a cis heteronormative couple could be a big deal. And like, yeah. like, okay, yeah, actually the administration does consider that I have a family and does consider that I am as valid as any other family out here. And, you know, that makes me feel like I... Am supported by where I work and where I spend literally half of my day. Yeah. So. Absolutely, I, I think it's a really good point, Amanda. I think um, people underestimate how influential, you know, language and, and images and things like that can be. And I think particularly as we're talking about younger generations, even people who are in their teens right now, working towards you know going to university or or you know getting getting jobs in the sector. Statistically many, many more are sort of identifying as, let's say, not being straight or not conforming to mm-hmm. kind of um, that, that kind of binary gender norm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's so much talk you see all over Twitter, don't you, about people saying, why is this? It's indoctrination. No, it's because we're helping create spaces where more people feel safe to say what was the case all along. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I wonder if, you know, generations coming up even even behind you will will start almost forcing that change because you know just statistically there there will be more people who want to see that as as it becomes safer for for more people to be that that open yeah and i will say listen the internet is 
a very good resource for, for the younger generation to find out that there's more than just being gay or straight and there's all these other, you know, sexual identities or gender identities or, yeah. you know, gender fluidity or anything that they are feeling. And I think just because that knowledge is available to them at a younger age and, you know, like, I don't, I didn't know any LGBTQ people out and open when I was growing up. Like I found out all my acronym stuff from the internet. So the yeah. incoming, you know, generation, they're going to also find everything from the internet and they're going to have it at a younger age and it'll empower them to be like, yeah, this is what I feel like. And this is what I am. And mm-hmm. you know, everyone older than them is just going to have to deal with that. And yep. Except Catch like, up. okay, they just have the words for this now. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. people just didn't know that this was a thing or it was, it could be a thing. And now they're like, oh, there's a word for this. That's how I feel. That's mm-hmm. me. And then they move on, you know, like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean we're indoctrinating anyone. It just means they have information available to them. Yeah. So. Which is hugely powerful. I mean, education, this is always yeah. kind of the, the, the root of, of making improvements like this to help people, you know, come to terms with their own identities and, you know, create allies as well um you know mm-hmm. it's changed it was youtube for me um i think it's probably tiktok for most people now which is something i have never looked at i no it's don't get so it good. <laughs> <laughs> don't get it i think that that one's gone past me <laughs> but then having said that i never even got vine back in the day and it's basically seems to oh, be no. a, a kind of recurrence yeah. of that and that was a big thing when i was yeah. you know in my teens and early 20s so who knows <laughs> but that being said you know i mentioned earlier i was on a, a panel about um, by pride during pride month back in in june mm-hmm. um, and someone on that said all of the education they've been getting recently um about the wider lgbtq plus community and learning things they've never knew was was from tiktok mm-hmm. so it's it can be a hugely powerful it's powerful tool for everybody yeah. i think maybe i'll have to start yeah <laughs> and it's like it's great it's like free and things like come up and like there's people who share like history and people who share like oh this is like how I identify and this is like things that I've had to gone had to go through it's like YouTube but like a lot faster videos yeah it's not so, just like, people miming to uh, not just people mining oh, that t- <laughs> <laughs> no not just TikTok dances there's a lot there's a lot happening but it also like it creates a sense of community which I also think um was a big thing on like uh on science Twitter um, there's also a hashtag bi and sci, which like I went on and just like followed a bunch of other bi scientists and it's been like wonderful and it's been great to see like, okay, yeah, these people are out and living their lives and doing great science and like I can do that too. And I hope everyone after me also sees that like they can do it too. And it's like, yeah. you wouldn't have this kind of representation if you didn't have the internet. Like it'd be so hard to see all these people and see success stories and be like, okay, they like, this is something I can do and I belong here. and like it's it's wonderful i love the internet <laughs> yeah i mean that's a fantastic note to end on i think it's it's so true and that's why visibility is is what really matters because it can be as simple as someone seeing someone that looks like them or talks like them or has a similar background to them doing something that they think they want to do that actually gives them the drive mm-hmm. to say yeah i can do that um and that's that's hugely important and that matters within the lgbt class community it matters across everything we might call diversity you know it's really important mm. to see yourself represented um so yeah let's let's end it there thank you very much for your time amanda and um yeah if anyone has any questions about anything you've said i'm sure they don't mind you know following follow you on twitter that's probably the best place to reach you isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> follow me on twitter 
I, I am on TikTok, not as much, but it, you can find me on Twitter for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely not on TikTok, don't look there. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you, Amanda, thanks for your time. Thank you.